JD Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on Twilight Tonic, I have a very special guest and friend of mine who had a very important job and someone I met years ago and someone I never thought I would ever have at any of my events as a child. In the 70s and 80s, we had something called Horror Host in Dayton, Ohio. I'm going to welcome the manager of Dr. Creep, Rick Martin. How are you? Okay, Dee Dee. Thank you for having me on your show. How are you doing? I'm good. Long time no see, my friend. Hey, it's it's so cool that we're talking about Factor Creep, and mm-hmm. it's October, and, and, and it's the scare season, and it's the perfect time of year. I know. I miss Barry so much. You, yes. So, you know all about Barry. Tell us a little bit about his background, how he grew up, what his parents did, all the exciting stuff, and where he's from. Okay, cool. So, so Dr. Creep, who was a horror show host from 1972 to around 2010 or 20, about 2010 mm-hmm. here in, in, in the Midwest, his real name is Barry Hobart. Mm-hmm. And Barry was born in 41, and uh, he, he was always interested in the theater and things mm-hmm. like that. And his uncle, Doug Hobart, uh, and I should say, let's preface this by saying Barry was born in Middletown, so he's an Ohio native, uh-huh. born and bred, Middletown, Franklin, that area. So, But Barry's uncle, Doug Hobart, would do a traveling monster show, wow. which kind of got Barry hooked on show business. Mm-hmm. So, so Doug would go around, and he would do an interactive monster show at like a local theater, and he would have like a play – and he would have a, a shell in the audience who would come out and, and, and like get sawed in half or whatever, and then get attacked by a monster that would jump out from behind the stage. So it was all very interactive. Mm-hmm. And, and Doug did like a Frankenstein monster traveling show, Wolfman traveling show. And a lot of that hooked Barry at a young age to, to the horror uh, genre. And Doug eventually moved to Florida and produced a couple different horror films there um, for the drive-in circuit back in the yeah. day, and um, and and Doug was actually came to town a few times. Um, excuse me, a few times. Real neat guy, but but he got Barry hooked, and Barry also got hooked by the Universal Monster movies mm-hmm. that were just showing up on TV in like the late fifties because the television stations were very anxious to pop in whatever they could for content. So Barry started watching, you know, the universal monster films on TV and theatrical revivals when they ran in the cinema. Eventually Barry went off to, um, to Vietnam. He was a Marine specializing in, in psyops. Mm-hmm. And it, Barry didn't really talk a lot about his Marine service until late in his life. And one day we were at um, a little German restaurant in Fairborn, and we were just about ready to head over to Floyd's Halloween shop to do an appearance. This Barry is Dr. Creep. 
Mm-hmm. And Barry said, you know, you know, I was on, I was the guy who, who basically signaled that there was a conflict in the Gulf of Tonkin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean, Barry? And he's like, I was on the ship. I was the PSYOP person in the radio room. And I got the message that said that there were um, Vietnamese attack boats attacking American ships. And he said, I had access to some of like the radar and stuff. And I'm like, there's nothing there, guys. There's, there's nothing. And I was told you send the message out and you don't question it. So he claims that he sent the message that started American involvement in a major way in Vietnam. Wow. Yeah. And then he, he did psy operations, psychological operations on in Vietnam itself and I guess mm-hmm. in Cambodia and stuff. So you could say that Barry was kind of a spook even before the Dr. Creep character came to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that he was doing all these all these weird like I guess, you know, psych psychological operations in Vietnam. But very very went he got out of the war and around um, the early 70s, like 71, 72, mm-hmm. um, started working at WKEF Television, which is Channel 22. Mm-hmm. Now, Channel 22 had a package come through, a package for uh, late night viewing of the Universal Horror Films. And some of the early Hammer horror films, like The Curse of Frankenstein, The Horror of Dracula, and then some of like the giant insect movies from the 50s, like The Deadly Mantis and Them and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And they didn't, they didn't just want to run the movies. They wanted to actually have some sort of a interactive host who would set things up and kind of draw people in to watch the movies and would sell more advertising and all that. Mm-hmm. Now, prior to that there had been the start of a horror host movement in like the sixties. So you had a lady named Vampira from Los yeah. Angeles. Who's, if you've ever seen Ed Wood or any of Ed Wood's movies, mm-hmm. you know who she is. And she was a horror hostess and she was one of the first horror hosts uh, in the business. And she kind of generated the waves, which became all the different horror hosts, through the 60s and the 70s, and eventually, you know, leading up to like Elvira. So, so Barry said, you know, I'd love to do this um, because I have a background in theater. And uh, he created a character named Dr. Death. Mm -hmm. And he had like a, a skull face with fangs and very creepy, had a cowl and everything. And, and they tested it out and it, turned out it was just too creepy people were freaked out by it <laughs> um so so he says well let's lighten them up and make him kind of a fun lovable rule. took out the fangs kind of got rid of the skull makeup for the most part and came up with the name dr creep right. and on january 1st 1972 the the shock theater show kicked off yeah and it kicked off late night and it lasted 13 years on wkf tv and yeah. And introduced horror films to a lot of us as kids. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, now roughly at the same time, I don't know if you remember, I don't think you're old enough, mm-hmm. there was a show called Clubhouse 22. Oh, I remember Clubhouse 22. Okay. So Clubhouse 22 was on in the afternoons. And if mm-hmm. I remember right, because I was born in 66, so I would have been like, I don't know, eight or no, actually, I was like four or five, I think, when Clemens 22 started out. Right. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I was raised on TV, um, not literally, but I, I, I remember as a three-year-old watching Dark Shadows at my Nana's place over on Grafton Avenue and totally freaking out when <laughs> the head of Judas Zachary popped up on the Collinwood, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the family room there at Collinwood. It was taken over people. So I was kind of warped by dark shadows. And then in the afternoons we would have speed racer and we'd have Ultraman, which is the show that Barry and I put out years later on home video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd have clubhouse 22, which was a show that combined puppets and Dr. Creep and a big white dog named Duffy, the dog who was played by like 16 different people. <laughs> <laughs> and originally, was the host was Malcolm McLeod. He was the human. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they would have like Kurt McLaughlin would do uh, Stan the Man, the puppet, the, the orange dude with the shock of hair, kind of a Muppet looking guy. And then they'd also do Count Blah, who also was on Shock Theater. He was a vampire, kind of modeled after the Count from the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later, Joe Smith came in and, and took over the role as, as the straight man, so to speak. But they would have things like, and I remember as a, as a Cub Scout, I was scared to death that our Cub Scout team went over to Channel 22. And we were in the live audience. and and. They were doing pick a door where you'd pick a door up on the set and it would open up and you'd get a prize and, mm-hmm. and all these sorts of things. And uh, Dr. Creep was one of the hosts. They would have uh, Clark Parker come in from, I think, the Dayton Museum of Natural History and bring on animals like turkeys and otters and, and foxes and rabbits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they would have all sorts of contests. So it was a little, and they'd have cartoons. They'd have, if I remember right, like the Three Stooges cartoon. Um, and then like Tom and Jerry and stuff like that. Um, maybe some Warner Brothers cartoons, other ones. So it was a, a really fun kid show. So Barry was playing horror movies late at night on the weekends mm-hmm. and then doing and then doing children's television during the weekdays, like around three o'clock or whatever. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of crazy so, schedule. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And you know, at that time a lot of these shows were, were live. Um mm-hmm. it seems to me Clubhouse twenty two was live until like a, a turkey went to the bathroom all over the set or something. And then they said, maybe we should tape it and run it like a day later. <laughs> you know? Oh, what a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I remember and when I was, when I was interviewing a bunch of people for a couple magazines, magazine articles, I wrote on Dr. Creep. I remember um, interviewing Clark Parker and he was like, yeah, that was like the worst day on Clubhouse 22 that I ever had. But <laughs> 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 but, you know, these shows, if they weren't live, they were live on video, which means mm-hmm. kind of like how Dark Shadows was, you would you would be there on the set, you would do your stuff, and it was pretty expensive to stop the videotape, which was like two-inch tape at that time. Mm-hmm. So even if there were goofs, they ended up on the air. Right. I mean, if it was a really bad goof, you would, you know, you could stop the tape. And like on Dark Shadows, the actor said, if we really messed up and we were totally embarrassed by it, we would cuss. And then they'd have to stop the tape, and then we could go back and redo the scene that they were really angry at us. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So so Dr. Creep on Shock Theater started out um, trying to think. I think it's the first movie, if I remember, that was on Shock Theater on January 1st, 72, was I believe a Mario Bava film. Mario was a an Italian horror director who created the the neo gothic movement oh, yeah. for Italian horror films. And it seems to me it was Black Sunday with Barbara Steele, a British actress who who went and then made a bunch of uh, Italian horror films. And and they just you know they would run they couldn't run some of these films uncut. Mm-hmm. They'd have to go in and, and take out some of the more gory elements or something. Or sometimes <laughs> they just have to cut things out to make room for commercials. But yeah, I remember talking to Dr. Creep, Barry Hobart, and, and saying, well, what were some of your favorite films that were on Shock Theater? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I love Bela Lugosi's Dracula. I would have run that at, at every occasion that I could. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, I love Frankenstein versus the Wolfman a lot and the Bride of Frankenstein and the Mummy. And he says, I, I really loved um, Attack of the Mushroom People, <laughs> which the, the Japanese name was the Tango for that mm-hmm. one. And I remember I, I didn't see that initially when I was a kid on Shock Theater. But if I remember right, I was like. I, I have this really weird memory. I can remember things back to when I was like one years old mm-hmm. and mom, mom would be like, you cannot remember that. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why, but, but I was like three and my sister Beth and I were watching it. We had adjusted the rabbit ears on the old TV set now for, for kids today. This was before the age of like satellite TV, cable TV street. We had no internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we didn't have streaming stuff. So we had like three channels 
or four channels that you could get, and you'd have to adjust the little dial of the TV, and you could get two, seven, 22, and 16. But if you adjusted those antennas just right and the clouds were in the right position, you could get in channel 19 from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And there was a horror show host from Cincinnati called The Cool Ghoul. Oh, yeah. And he, and he ran Attack of the Mushroom People. I was a three-year-old kid watching this full color in widescreen, incredible Toho scope, science fiction, uh, Japanese culture, allegorical horror film. And I wasn't reacting to a bunch of the things when I watch it now. And I'm like, oh, that's a reflection or a commentary on Japanese society in terms of, you know, the government's inefficiencies. I was watching it because I wanted to see mushroom people kill people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and there was a scene on this old ship. That, so, so Attack of the Mushroom People, think of a Japanese version of Gilligan's Island, okay? So you had an actress, you had a gangster, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they crash. Their ship you know, ends up beaching on this island. And it's so heavily damaged, they're like, well, we're going to have to see if there's anything else on the island because we need food and we're going to need water. And they find that this island has other ships that have crashed there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Sargasso, a Sargasso island of crashed ships. And they find that there's this weird fungus that covers everything on the island. And they also find that there was a ship that had like experimental... Um, some sort of experimental radiation sort of thing on it. Yeah, that's scientific. It's, it's, it's an experimental radiation sort of thing. <laughs> and um, and it was there was there were also seeds called matango seeds. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and, yeah, and if you if you ate these mushrooms, which were the only source of food on the island except for some cans of food these guys found. Mm-hmm. Uh, on one of the old ships. If you ate these mushrooms, you started having these weird hallucinatory experiences. So what's wrong with that? You know, it's, it's magic mushrooms on the island. But right. it made you become a mushroom creature. Oh, and then goodness. you became homicidal. And you started growing mushrooms all over your body. And you started becoming like a zombie sort of thing. And I remember this one scene on the old ship where a mushroom person was going after the actress and then another young lady, and I don't remember what her profession was. I think she was, I think it was the Marianne and Ginger of the tango, a.k.a. Attack of the Mushroom People. And you know, they were like trapped in this room and the, the mushroom monsters pushing the door open and everything. And I remember as a little kid that was it. I screamed. I, I think I hid under the bed. My sister had to turn off the movie. It was horrible. Oh, I, I was... I was human wreckage after that. <laughs> you uh, thought you were going to turn into a mushroom and kill everybody, didn't you? <laughs> exactly. That's all. <laughs> Can you swear that hasn't happened? I well, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you just but, never know these days. I don't question anything in this time period ever. <laughs> Uh, well, I've, I've probably gone on way too long on Attack of the Mushroom People, but, but Barry was like, you know, that movie was so creepy. But he, you know, he would have, I remember one time, and this was near the end of Shock Theater. So Shock Theater started January 1st, 72, mm-hmm. and it ran in 1985. So it had a really good run. Um, but Channel 22 was being purchased by another company. They wanted to streamline it. They wanted to put on more canned programming, you know, like syndicated programming sure. to cut costs. And so they started getting rid of the local shows, mm-hmm. including like the afternoon movie. They got rid of Shock Theater, Clubhouse 22, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But near the end of that, um, so it would probably be 1983. I remember they ran The Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D. Mm-hmm. And you could go to 7-Eleven and pick up 3D glasses Oh my I think you had to buy like a Slurpee or a Frosty or whatever they have at 7-Eleven or had. And then, you you know, you, you would gather around the TV set, tune it hopefully so that the yellow or the uh, red and green images were properly aligned. And then you could watch the creature in Black Lagoon in 3D. And I think they did the Dr. Creep footage in 3D as well. That's hilarious. So that is so they, they, did, they had a lot of fun on that show. Um, we... Years later, um, Barry and I ran into each other uh, again. Um, I was doing um, 
playtesting on a game I designed with Anthony Hensley called Robots and Rockets. Mm-hmm. And, and and Barry said, oh, I don't want to be part of this. I want to be part of this. And I'm like, oh, Dr. Creep's going to be one of the playtesters for this robot game. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's how we kind of ran into each other again. And um, eventually, um, and this was, you know, Shock Theater was off the air for a while. Right. And uh, we got the rights back for Barry to become Dr. Creep again. This would be about 1991. Mm-hmm. And we put out the Best of Shock Theater VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I tech VHS tape, and we put out like the Best of Shock Theater Volume Two, and and started getting Barry back out there to sign autographs. And we had a party, a premiere party at Premiere Video in Inglewood, mm-hmm. um, in that little plaza, uh, like uh, I don't know the name of the plaza, but the um, Ponderosa was really close to it. You know what I'm talking about there in Inglewood? Kind of. Ringing a bell? No. Yeah. But um, I remember you know, we had like a, a crate of these VHS tapes professionally done. Uh-huh. Because, uh, and, and the only way that we actually could get footage of Dr. Creep is because somebody, and I'm not going to give out any names, took a bunch of the three-quarter inch and two-inch videos that Channel 22 had. Mm-hmm. Because they were going to bulk erase everything and reduce the tapes. Hmm. So we lucked out and we, we put together this video compilation with new footage that we shot. Mm-hmm. Um, brought back some people like Kurt McLaughlin, who I had mentioned before, who um, played a lot of the puppets on the show. We right. got like, I think we got Obi Yo-Yo, John Higgins to come back. Obi Yo-Yo was the, the pointy-headed orange Muppet guy. Mm-hmm. And stuff. So, you know, as we're traveling over to Premiere Video, and, and Barry is in his Dr. Creep garb, you know, with the hat and the cape and everything. And he's like, well, What if nobody shows up? He's like, I don't think people are going to remember me. And I'm like, Barry, you were formative for years for so many young people mm-hmm, in Dayton. Yeah. I'm like, And we got to Premiere Video, and there were tons of people waiting there. It was a hit, you know. Wow. Barry was touched, and from that point on, we we started doing things like appearing at Foy's every Halloween. Yeah, I remember and Barry that. Got in, yeah, Barry got invited to parades. Mm-hmm. I remember freezing my my butt off uh, when we were at like I think it was the Christmas parade in Dayton, riding in an old fashioned carriage, and I'm like, I'm freezing, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Buck up, wave, wave at the people, make a happy <laughs> face, look like you're having fun, don't act like you're freezing, okay. But, um, you know, and then we, we did, like, your charity events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you guys. And everything. There. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, just had a blast. And then in the late 90s, Andy Kopp and I um, decided that it would be kind of cool, and we approached Barry about bringing back Shock Theater for Cable Access, yes. which you were on one of the episodes. It was. It was a yeah, it was a, a live episode, and I think the first movie uh, was the first. You know what? I I don't have it right in front of me, but I think the first movie was the one where William Shatner was oh, like yeah. a serial killer, yep. picking people up in his in his you know leisure suit. And I think the second movie might have been Blood Freak about a killer turkey attacking <laughs> people and pe- packing them to death and drinking their blood. My claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> well, you danced on that show, and I then did. we did that interview and the call-in and stuff. Oh, yeah, those are and the good actually, old days. That's, yeah, that's actually one of our most popular DVDs, because we have DVDs now out of, oh, no. of the new Shock Theater. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, We need to actually have you appear and autograph the DVDs. Oh, my goodness, I don't know. They'd probably be like, who is that woman? Why is she here? <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, you know, we had so much fun, and Barry did so much to help the community. He did. Um, yes, he did Project Christmas Smiles, if you remember that, yes, with Linda Gabbard. Yep. So they would like they would get toys for needy families, so that no kids would go without toys, or at least some sort of gift over Christmas. And that was awesome. He did a lot of charities. Then he do like the um, the MD. Charities in Dayton, and gosh, he did the haunted houses. 
Yeah, he he did the haunted houses. Uh, he did, like you said, the Indy Telethon. Yeah, he did the JCs, uh, right? The JCs, yeah, the haunted, JC's houses. haunted houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, I, I remember um, one time at the was it the Rivers? I think it was the Riverside JCs haunted house, and it was snowing. And we were, once again, cold weather. And we're all, like, freezing underneath this tent. And and they're trying to bring heaters in. Mm-hmm. And we were there with um, the author and psychic Ann Osgard. Oh, wow. And so, you know, you know Ann, Ann, and Ann does stuff like You need to interview her at some point. She does things like past life regression. I would love to interview and, her. Come on on, Ann. I'd oh, love to. You've got to. She does, um, like, ghost hunts and stuff. and. Mm-hmm. And and she she would probably be great. Yeah, I'd love to but, have you know, her. Yeah, it was it was Doctor Creep and Oscar and me, and we're all freezing to death at the Riverside JC's haunted house. Oh my house. gosh! Oh my gosh! Do they do they have <laughs> JC's haunted houses anymore? Yeah, they do. In fact, um, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Josh Josh Weinberg, is mm-hmm. doing a like a multimedia event at one of the JC's haunted houses. Wow. So they're it's still, a, from what I understand, a very active charity. Yeah, and what is the charity for so the people know what that charity I'm sorry. is? The JCs. I'm sorry, what? The JCs. What I, kind of charities do they do? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, 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 I used to know, but, but over the years, those brain cells have died, and I'm not sure how all that works. I mean, we could make something up. Um, but <laughs> that probably <laughs> wouldn't be terribly accurate. So hold on, I need to grab a drink. <laughs> It's just water, I swear it. But yeah, that's a really good question. Wow. You know, there's so there's so many things that I, I used to know that I don't anymore and, and I'm just gonna chalk it up to old age. Oh no, don't you do know. that. <laughs> <laughs> but they like the MD telethon was always fun. And and and, and Dr. Creep was always like, Rick, come on the telephone. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm the person who sits behind the camera. I'm not the person in front of the camera. You do the in front of the camera stuff. And, you know, but, but those were a lot of fun. He did those with um, Johnny Walker over at Hair Arena for years. Oh, did he? Yeah. It breaks my heart now that you drive past Hair Arena. It's all gone. Oh, I know. When did they tear that down? Well, it got damaged by the tornado a couple of years. Remember, well, we had like five tornadoes that came through. Yes. And just ravaged that side of town. And Hair Arena had like a huge section of its roof torn off. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't too long thereafter that they tore it down. So now it's just a big empty lot. Oh, that's sad. I, I used to see a lot of concerts there. Yeah, I, I saw some concerts. I used to go to the circus there. Wow. Uh, Computer Fest used to be there back in the day. See, now, now my geek is showing. I remember Computer Fest when I had a Commodore 64. And I used to go to Computer Fest and get a floppy disk with with 100K of storage on that. Yes, I do. <laughs> the scary part is that we've actually seen the internet grow. I remember when we had dial-up. So if that tells you anything... <laughs> well, I remember my the first computer I actually used was a Radio Shack TRS-80 pocket computer, and it had 1K of RAM, oh boy. <laughs> and, and you'd have to carry around an audio tape player, and you'd have these audio tapes with little bitty, what we call apps now, but little bitty programs, and you'd load these modules in to get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something about Dr. Creed or Barry is he was so proud about I guess it was about two thousand and eight, he got a Blackberry. Oh did he? <laughs> Barry has a Blackberry. That just sounds too funny. That <laughs> but he got, and then he's like, Rick, how do I use this? Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, you know, I'm like you, you, how much did you spend for that berry? Why did you get a blackberry? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't even have one. And I'm like, you guys, like, oh, I thought it would be good to have the most high tech phone, so I got a blackberry. Have oh you read goodness. the instruction manual? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> he was so delightful. I can remember watching him when I was a little girl with my brother, because me and my brother aren't too far apart. 
And uh, my brother had a, an Incredible Hulk um, sleeping bag, and I had a Doritos sleeping bag shaped like, you know, Dorito bags. Those were really in for a yeah. while. And we would watch him on Saturday night after Fridays. And then we'd also oh. watch The Ghoulish Ghoul. No, Sammy Terry. It was Sammy Terry, Sammy not Terry. Ghoulish Ghoul. Oh, yeah. is, Ghoulish Ghoul well, was the cool yes. ghoul. The cool, cool ghoul, ghoul was Cincinnati. It's Sammy Terry was Indianapolis, wasn't yeah, he? Yep, we used to watch and Sammy he, Terry. He was, yeah. He had the Playtex living gloves and he had yep. the bat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, I wonder, cause, you know, there's all these horror show hosts mm-hmm. and, and this huge number of them, especially in the eight, in the 70s and 80s. I wonder how many local areas have DVDs of like the best of Sammy Terry or the best of the cool ghoul. Oh, I would assume probably they all do. I would assume if we did a lot of research, we'd find a lot of horror hosts on DVD or streaming on the internet. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but bear in mind a lot of stage, you know, it was really dependent upon whether the people who were playing the horror show characters Mm -hmm. like stole the tapes from the studios. True. Because. Because the studios didn't view it as something that anybody would care about, right. so they would just re, they would just reuse the tapes. Like, there's no, as far as we can tell. Well, I'll, I'll, I work in the law, so I'll qualify by saying, as far as we can tell, there is no surviving footage of Clubhouse 22 other than the opening sequence. Really? Wow. And that's like 10 years of live or live to tape television. And it's all gone because they just reuse the tapes. They're like, well, we got all these tapes sitting around. Why not put, you know, why not instead of getting new ones, just bulk erase them and put new programming on each one. Incredible. Oh, guess what? I did find out what the JCs does for their charities. They get back to the community through working with the young adults to improve leadership skills and networking. Yeah, that is cool. Did you Google that? Of course I did. <laughs> I, I They were so much part of our lives growing up. I had to figure out why I went. <laughs> yeah. Why the I think we should have actually, <laughs> we should have come up with something totally different though. Because people wouldn't have checked probably. They'd be like, what? I don't yeah. know. You know, something weird <laughs> like they, they raised money for Sumatran rat monkeys or something. Yeah. You know? Then I would have got a bunch of emails that I wouldn't want to read. Probably knowing my <laughs> luck, probably from the JCs. <laughs> well, you know, if, if, so if they don't raise money for Sumatran rat monkeys, maybe that's something we need to start up as a charity. You know, it might work. It might actually make a living, right? <laughs> who, who else is going to look out for Sumatran rat monkeys if we don't? Nobody, right? Nobody. That's yeah. probably why we should. <laughs> now, if anybody's people are out there, it's like Sumatran rat monkeys. Yeah. yeah. Guys, watch Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, aka Brain Dead, and then and it'll all fit together for you. This was way before <laughs> Peter Jackson did like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and, and respectable films, and he was doing like you know Muppet porn, like Meet the Feebles and, and yeah. Dead Alive, and all these things. There's all kinds. Are we of allowed stuff to say Muppet? Can we see Muppet porn on your show? I I don't know. It's not something I would probably want to say since I'm a big Muppet fan. <laughs> okay. Well, then we, we won't go there. But okay. anyway, it was when Peter Jackson wasn't as respectable as he is now. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty respected now, yes, I have to say. Um, Here we go. So... What else can you tell us about Barry? I, he just had a huge influence, I think, on everyone's childhood that is interested in like horror movies, even the paranormal, because somewhat it crosses over sometimes, obviously. Yes. Well, Barry, um, Barry was very knowledgeable about the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a lot of research. Now, understand, he, he was a born-again Christian. Yeah. But he, he was he he got and got a lot of heat from some people who said, How can you be doing this when you're a born again Christian? But he, he was like, No matter what my own particular religious belief is, there are areas that are outside of that that I'm interested in. So he did a lot of reading, he met a lot of people, um, he met psychics, he met uh, ghost hunters. 
uh, he did uh, out of body um, mm-hmm. uh, silver cord experimentation mm-hmm. and, cl- and claims that he had various out of body experiences in the ethereal plane. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry also did some exorcisms. Um, there were, I can't describe exactly what it was like spending hours and days with Barry. It's the closest thing I can relate it to is when I was hanging out with Quentin Tarantino, there is an, an energy around certain people that inspires and, and opens up your mind. And, and I have to say that out of, some of out of many many people that I've met, Barry and and Quentin Tarantino and Andy Kopp were the people that inspired me the most through their mm-hmm. energy. Andy Andy Kopp, for those who don't know, uh, was a Dayton uh, filmmaker and and horror show ho- or horror film fan, mm-hmm. and a, and a film a very knowledgeable about film in general. Andy and I taught over at Sinclair. We we bump started their film classes over there for years. And Andy is a, was an accomplished filmmaker on his own, doing movies like The Mutilation Man and Black Sun, things like that. Mm-hmm. Sadly, Andy is gone, but but I, I think about him. I, mean, I really do think about him and Barry almost every day, and miss them yeah. a great deal. But um, Barry was a whirlwind of energy, and you'd be there with him, and he's telling you stories about Black Lane and the ghosts that are there. And he was telling me stories about a shadow person who he had witnessed. Mm-hmm. And then um, is telling me stories about possibly having his silver cord cut during one of his attempts and an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I'm sure he talked to you about things like that, too. Sometimes, yeah. And so he had this huge wealth of knowledge about the paranormal, mm-hmm. and he was very interested in it. And one of the, I'll tell you an interesting story. And it was, um, it was Halloween, uh, twenty. Let me think here. It was about twenty ten that Barry had problems with his legs, and he had to go places in a wheelchair. But he still was like, no, I want to show up. Mm-hmm. I think we did one of your events where yeah. we had to carry him up some stairs because yeah. he couldn't go up the stairs. Um, but th- so this was before that. So I'm guessing it might have been 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. Um, there's a wonderful bookstore in Troy, Ohio, around about books. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in a very haunted building. Right. There's a, a little girl ghost who you can sometimes see um, wandering the halls. And the basement is, um, according to some people, it is a focal point of negative energy. Mm-hmm. And Barry and I were there. Um, he did an autograph signing, and then Andy Kopp ran um, Hammer Films, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires with Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. And um, we Barry wanted before before the film. Barry wanted to go downstairs and see the basement, and he kind of hustled us all out of the basement. He said, "There's there's a demon in there. There are three cultists who may have been clansmen or slavers who still serve the demon, and there's a couple lingering spirits of their victims down there." And he said, he said, I've got to think about this. You know, we, we need to, we need to kind of regroup because he says, this is not good. He said, they're mostly contained in the basement, but mm-hmm. the, the, the barrier that was keeping them in the basement was beginning to fade. So Barry and I you know, were like, well, let's go watch the legend of the seven golden vampires and figure out an angle of attack on this. If we want to do this, and right. Barry's like, we have to do this. So we're there in in the auditorium watching Legend of Seven Golden <laughs> Vampires, and suddenly I feel like half an inch of cold cut through my body. It's the only way I can describe this. It 
it, it, it felt like just a sliver of cold going through my body. Mm-hmm. And then, and Barry and I looked at each other and he said, did you just feel that? And I'm like, you did too. And he's like, it went right through me. He says, did it go through you? I'm like, yeah. He said, that was one of the spirits of this bookstore. Hmm. And aside from being chased by a werewolf, you know, 30 years ago, or what I like to believe may have been a werewolf. Wait, wait, back um, up. You, you yeah. got, oh, this is interesting. You got chased by a werewolf? Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long story, but I, and I'll, I'll work back to it if you want me to. But so, so you know, but. Very because if I get sidetracked, I might not ever get back okay. to finish this initial story. So, just suffice to say that at some point about thirty, oh Lord, thirty-five years ago, I believe I was chased by a werewolf, and, and a buddy of mine was too. Hmm. So anyway, um, so Barry and I, Barry was like, you know, this, we're going to come back here, but we're not going to do this on Halloween night. Right. And I think Barry went back there without telling me because he didn't want to risk anything bad happening to me. And I think he closed off that portal. If I remember that's right, but there's still a little girl ghost in the bookstore, but she's, she's not bad. You know, she's just a poor lost soul. Wow. I didn't didn't realize he was that heavy into it. Actually. I knew he was into it because he had said things to me, but I didn't realize he read and did research on it himself. Yeah, he had a pretty extensive library of books on on the subject of the paranormal. I don't know what happened to all those after he passed, but um, and he developed friendships with a lot of people. I, I'm trying to remember if he was friends with Malachi Martin or not. I, I don't. Maybe he didn't even didn't know him. I don't, do you know Malachi? Did you know him? He's he's passed now, but that sounds really familiar. Was, he was the head um, exorcist for the Roman Catholic Church for many years. Wow. And That's he why he sounded real, familiar. That's why. He wrote some books about that, mm-hmm. and then um, he fell out of favor and, I guess, lost his job when he he claimed that a cabal, I think it was in 66, a cabal of kind of rogue priests decided to try to raise Satan in a chamber in the Vatican that was specially designed to keep him trapped. And if if I remember right, he was telling him, you, you guys can't do this. This is outside. This is above your pay grade. Wow. You know, you you don't want to do this. And he said, and if you try to do this, I'm going public with it. And, um, you know, so they ended up kicking him out of the church as far as I know. But he's he's been gone for about I guess about 15 years yeah. too. A lot of these people are fading away. Well, sure, yeah. So, okay. So the werewolf. Okay. I'll make it fast. Cause this isn't really about Dr. Creep. This is more about me. And I want this to all be about Dr. Creep and Barry. So my buddy, Anthony Hensley and I went on a Halloween night with a full moon out. We were this stupid. <laughs> we, we, we went to the, um, Oh, what was the name of that theater on North Main Street? Um, oh, gosh. By where Adventure Golf was. Um, you, know, you know what I mean? It was like an yes. 80-cent yeah. theater. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, so we, neither of us could drive. We were, we were too young to have driver's licenses. So we walked on this Halloween night over to that theater, and we saw American Werewolf in London. Which coincidentally I watched today on DVD. So. Of course you did. <laughs> so anyway, so you know, I think we because at that time you could sit through a couple shows and they wouldn't kick you out of the theater as long as you were buying popcorn. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we sat through like two showings of American World from London. We're like, okay, we're tired. Let's let's go home. So we're going home, and it's like, man, you know. If we go by street, it's going to take forever. Let's cut through these woods. Okay. We're going to cut through these woods. We're like 14, 15 year old sure, kids. That's so what's like, fun. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, we weren't afraid of anything. Um, so we're going through the woods and we hear something following us. And when we stop, it would stop. And I think we might have had throwing stars on us back then because like 
all the cool kids were like, I made a throwing star. I'm oh going to be like Bruce Lee, you know? And the real cool kids had nunchucks. And the totally uncool kids would like practice with the nunchucks and then knock themselves out with them because they didn't know what to do. But <laughs> that was you, wasn't you were it? Cool. No, I didn't. I, no, I was never skilled with nunchucks. Anthony was pretty good with them. And by the way, Anthony Hensley, if you're out there and you're listening to this, you need to give me a call or send me an email, man. Uh, contact Dee Dee and she'll get in touch with me because we need to talk. Anyway, but um, thank you. So, so we walk a little further and there's crunch, 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 stop, it stops. And, and we'll understand, we've had four hours of American World from London imprinted mm-hmm. into our brain. It's Halloween night. It's a full freaking moon. And suddenly we hear, and we take off and we run through the woods and we're like, where the heck are we going? Towards the light, towards the street. And, you know, in our heads, it's like, you know, it's like, you boys stay on the road, stay off the moors. You know, we're like, we're in the woods. This is worse than the moors. And we're running. And and Anthony is a high school track star. Mm -hmm. Okay. I outran him. Adrenaline. I, it was adrenaline. Yeah, I, I, we both ended up in a in a intersection with a lot of lights, and we never, you know, needless to say, both of us survived. We weren't attacked. We never saw what was following us. But in our heads, as fifteen year old scared out of our mind kids, it was a werewolf. <laughs> now, quite probably, it was somebody in the theater who was watching the movie with us and said, "I'm going to freak these kids out." And it worked, didn't it? It's, it really did, but but in my mind, man, you know, I outran a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what the throwing stars would have done to the werewolf anyway, because they weren't silver. They were made out of, like, parts of bicycles that we filed into sharp points. <laughs> you might have hurt somebody, and they might have, like, been really mad at you. It was like, yeah. But, but they would have know. deserved it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so that's my werewolf story. But, um, so yeah, Barry, in his, in his professional life uh, as Dr. Creep, mm-hmm. he loved monster movies. The, the movie that I remember him hating the worst, coincidentally, is a movie that he and I put out on home video back in the day. Because hmm. there was, okay, during, okay, so we talked about Mario Bava. Mm-hmm. Starting the Italian horror film movement, and and in the seventies, Italian horror films really took off with people like Dario Argento making Suspiria, mm-hmm. Cat of Nine Tales, all this kind of stuff. You had like Umberto Lindsay making movies, and all these different people making horror films. And there was this weird subgenre of Italian horror films that was the cannibal horror film. Right. And that one of and one of the movies, and it's a really it's a tough subgenre to watch if you love animals and if you don't have a strong stomach because it it, it has some pretty terrible uh, specific things they that are a trend in these movies and you know thankfully it only lasted for a few years but there was one movie called Cannibal Ferox and it was by Umberto Lindsay and its American title was Make Them Die Slowly. And it was about a um, some people who who go to South America to prove there's no cannibalism, mm-hmm. and they run into a drug dealer who he and his buddies tortured and killed some native people because they're jerks, not the native people, but the drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And they all get captured by these native people who then proceed to eat them, mm-hmm. and, and and kill you know they eat them and kill them. So they don't necessarily do it in the correct order. It's supposed to kill somebody, then eat them. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> never mind. You never heard that. Never heard that. Well, anyway, Barry hated this movie. It ran at a drive-in. He did a show at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. And he remembers people like leaving the drive-in because they were so grossed out by this film. And right. Barry was like, this is disgusting. But years later, in our professional lives, running... Um, home video releases and, and restoring old movies, we had the chance to release that same film on home video. Oh my God. <laughs> and Barry was like, I don't really want to watch it, but 
Yeah. Those aren't my face. Yeah, I don't like those either. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Can't open it. Yeah, I have, to, I have to be in the correct mood for them and, and understand, well, this was made 40 years ago and I can't change anything that, you know, was right, done right. back then. And, and as, a, you know, I talked to film at Sinclair and I've written magazine and newspaper articles on film and horror is one of my favorite genres. I kind of have to see some of these because it fills a hole in the, in the genre of the horror movie. Right. You know, but do I necessarily like them? I, I don't like elements of them. I, I enjoy some of the things that the directors are trying to do. Right. But even with, with Cannibal Ferox, one of the actors did an interview with us for the VHS. And he's like, this is a really horrible film. Why are you guys putting this out? <laughs> oh, not my best work. Why do you guys want to interview me on this? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, the director's kind of a fascist, and I only did this movie because it made some money, and I needed right. to make, pay the bill. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then even the director, Lindsay, the interview in Italy, and Lindsay's like, Oh, this is a, this is a pretty bad movie. It's not so good. And then a little bit later in the interview, he's like, "I think this is on my best film." Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> what is it, Inverto? Is it a crummy film or is it your best film? I don't understand. <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny that Barry was involved with bringing that out on VHS back in the that day. That is pretty funny. I just find it really interesting how Barry did all of this stuff. Like the horror films, the paranormal, charity events, and several other things in his life. What was some of the strangest things that he had told you? That, that he did, aside from like kicking off the Vietnam War. Yeah, well, that's pretty. That's pretty strange. Well, well, for a while, he was a guard at the living room. What? Yeah, he. After okay, so he stayed at Channel Twenty Two for a while after mm-hmm. Shock Theater, and most of the other original programming got canceled. Right, but and he kept butting heads with the with suits, and he finally either got fired or quit. And he was he was having a, a lot of trouble finding a job, so he became a security guard, and he ended up at the living room. Oh my god! Now, I was never the kind of person to go to a place like that. But in the early 90s, I went to places like that. And that's how I re-met Dr. Creep. I'm like, <laughs> Barry? And he's like, Rick? And I'm like, is that is that you? He's like, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm here to see the women. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are way too <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I got a pocket full of $1 bills. Now I don't even know what it costs. It's probably $50, $20 bills. I don't know. But that guy was like, I got, one, I got $21 bills. I'm here to see a, a hot woman dance for me. That's and he's like, oh, come on in. He, there was one time, and this, this was really funny. So Barry was pretty much fearless in, in, in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And... So he's a security guard at the living room and he sees some guy pull out a hand grenade Uh. (laughs) and Barry, Barry's like, what the heck? And he he like runs over to the guy. He's like, no, you're going to put that hand grenade. You're going to give that hand grenade to me and you're Mm -hmm. not going to release the, you know, you're not going to release the little lever on it. And the guy's like, no, my, I got, I'm here to kill my girlfriend and myself and blah, blah, blah. And the guy, you know, Barry's like, no, you're not. You're not killing anybody. So he tackles the guy, gets the hand grenade, and then he's like holding it down to make sure that the little lever doesn't rise up and therefore create the process that's going to explode the grenade. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> so... Wow. So Barry tackles some dude with a hand grenade. And and if it would have been a real hand grenade, Barry would have saved a bunch of people's lives. And in fact, probably because people would have panicked, he probably did save some people's lives. Wow. <laughs> it was a paperweight. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, he, later on, he was a guard at the Living Word Church, uh, where he, he attended church as well. Hmm. 
And, um, and so he, he did a lot of things over the years aside for television productions. He had all sorts of stories to tell. Interesting. Um, yeah. Let's see. We're, are we, we're running about to the end of the hour, aren't we? Oh, that's okay. If you've got another great story about Dr. Creep, please tell us. Okay. Um, I have so many. It's the problem is picking and choosing what, you know, what to tell because. Pick your most I mean, favorite one. Oh boy. That Let always makes a great here. ending. Well, we went in, it was, it was either, I think it was 2009. Mm-hmm. Barry was doing, um, well, a few years before that, Barry did Scary Camp, which Bob Hinton, a.k.a. Ghastly Ghoul, yeah. um, put on here in Dayton. And so we ran you know, we ran a table there and got to hang out with people like Sid Haig mm-hmm. and, and uh, Bill Heinzman. And people, Bill Heinzman was one of the – he was the first zombie you see, if I remember his name right, in Night of the Living Dead, the original. And so you know, we did that. And then we did um, Horror Hound for a couple mm-hmm. of years. Right. And the last horror hound that we did, which I'm pretty sure was like 2009, might have been 2010, they started a horror host hall of fame. And Barry was the first person inducted into the horror host hall of fame. That's awesome. So, and I think we donated like his hat or something. I I can't remember anymore, Mm -hmm. but we, um, other guests at that convention were Elvira his real name is Cassandra Peterson. Malcolm McDowell was there. Wow. Um, um, uh, Herbert West from the Reanimator movies. And mm-hmm. he also played a character from Beyond. Um, Jeffrey Combs, he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me think here. The guy who played Peter in Dawn of the Dead, and he played the um, he played a character in Knight Riders. Yep. Um, he, he was there. So there are all these people there. Um, Barbara Steele. Who was on the very first movie shown on Shock Theater was there. Yes, yeah. She they flew her in from England. So all these amazing guests, and Barry got to meet all these people. And um, two really neat stories about people who interacted with Barry. So um, when I went through Malcolm McDowell's autograph line, to, to, he, I said, you know, I, I brought like uh, Clockwork Orange and um, Calugula. And he was like, I won't say exactly what he said because it's not suited for, for broadcast on, on your podcast. <laughs> but he was like, Rick, he was like, Rick, you son of a gun. You know how much I hate this movie. We're <laughs> talking about Caligula. Yeah. But he autographs it anyway. Well, anyway, um, I gave him a copy of, I think, Ultraman and the Best of Shock Year on DVD. Mm-hmm. So we're Barry and I are working the table and talking to people, and suddenly Malcolm McDowell comes to our table and sits down between us, puts his arm around us, like, "Hey guys, I want to thank you so much. I mean, you know, I've been to different conventions and nobody's ever given me a gift before, and I really appreciate it." And I, and and Barry's like, "It's Malcolm McDowell." Barry couldn't get up to go see Malcolm. He was having leg issues. Mm-hmm. So Malcolm McDowell hung out with us at our table for a while. And Malcolm was in a movie with Mary Steenburgen called, uh, I believe it was Time After Time. Uh-huh. Um, Malcolm played H.G. Wells and David Warner played Jack the Ripper. And H.G. Wells in this movie really created a time machine. And I don't know if you've seen this one, but they Jack do, the Ripper yeah. steals the time machine and goes to like the 1980s. Yep. Yeah, and so Malcolm McDowell, one of his, you know, one of his few heroic roles playing H.G. Wells, has to get, you know, gets the time machine back and has to go to the future and track down Jack the Ripper. And and he and Barry are talking about this movie like they're kids. That's so funny. And and that's how and Malcolm was like, well, I love this movie so much because that's how I met my wife. Huh? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because he and Mary Steenburgen met on the movie, fell in love, got married, and, and were married for a time. Interesting. So, so that was so cool. And Barry loved that and kept talking about, that was so nice of Malcolm McDowell. You know, come, come to the table. And I think Malcolm McDowell said, will you do your Dr. Creep laugh? And Barry's like, hoo-ha-ha. You know, and Malcolm's <laughs> like, oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Aww. And then... 
a little bit later, uh, Barry was kind of down because he wanted to go see Elvira, Cassandra Pearson. But he was having trouble walking. She came over to the table and sat down with us, like Malcolm McDowell did, Mm -hmm. and spent like a half an hour with with Dr. Creep and me. And then later, okay, so... So Barry was just, he was in love. He's like, if you didn't live in California, <laughs> we'd get married. You know, he was just in love with it. <laughs> and she was a total sweetheart. She was amazing. And she has done so much for the whole yeah. host. She has. Um, you know, art form, which is an art form to do it, to do the characters and come up with the shtick and everything. Sure, But yeah. um, in... Late in 2010, um, Barry called me up, and I was a little bit under the weather, and he wanted it to get together. And I'm like, Barry, I don't know what I have. It's probably this was way before COVID, so you know, I'm like it's probably the flu. I don't want because Barry had ended up over at a nursing home in Middletown, right? And I said I don't want to come over there because I don't know what I have, and if it's catching. I don't want to make you sick or the people around you sick. Right. And and Barry was in one room and his mother was in another at the same nursing home. Wow. And Barry said, well, okay. I said, we can talk on the phone, but until I know what I'm dealing with, then I'm sure I'm not going to give you something that's going to hurt you. You know, I, I just can't appear and I can't come over and see you. Sure. A, a, a day later, Barry had five massive strokes. Oh. And he didn't wake up. And Barry had told me at one point, he says, Rick, I don't want to outlive my mom. Barry had, at the time I owned, his mom was alive and he had a son named David. Mm-hmm. And Barry's like, I don't want to outlive my mom. And I said, Barry, you've got to outlive your mom for the sake of your son. He says, no, he, he's an adult. He'll, he can take care of himself. So Barry had these five strokes. And with, and then on January 14th, I believe it was, he died. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and the funeral, I was, a, I was honored to be a pallbearer for him and to speak at the funeral. And I've never seen so many people. The funeral procession, the cars... Went down. There were hundreds of cars. Yeah, hundreds of, and I don't know how many people. And it was a beautiful winter day. It was like just a perfect winter day. With and there was tons of snow on the ground, and there was a blue mm-hmm. sky, but there were little wisps of snow coming down. Yeah, just one of those really pretty days where it looks like glitter. Yeah, and you know, I still think about maybe I should have gone to see them. But in, in in hindsight, yeah, I should have gone over there to see him. You know, but at the time, I'm like, Barry, I, you know, if I have something that affects you badly, I could kill you. I didn't know he'd be dead that, right. you know, soon. So, but his legacy lives on. Um, we have the Best of Shock Theater, which is the best of the original show. We have that on DVD. That's two and a half hours worth of classic interviews mm-hmm. and Shock Theater stuff. And then all the, the show that Andy Kopp, and, Andy Kopp, Barry, and I did in the 90s and into the early 2000s, we have like 25 DVDs of that out there. And and we we set up every October, we set up a booth on Friday and Saturdays at Foy's Halloween Shop in Fairborn. <laughs> Just like we did when Barry was alive, people can come there and, and get DVDs of the show, T-shirts, stuff like that. Yeah. And um, and they're available in stores, um, you know. But and and I think sometimes, well, you know, should I keep doing this? And I'm like, well, yeah, because people still remember Doctor Creep even ten years now after his death. Oh, they yeah. still remember him. They love him. He touched. He he was a huge part of their lives for thirty yes, years. He was, yeah. Everyone yeah. growing up in that time period, absolutely. And all the charities he did, he's never going to be forgotten. How do people get a hold of you so they can get these DVDs, T-shirts, 
Um, well, if they, like I said, if, if they want to show up at Floyd's Halloween shop at, at the main store on Fridays and Saturday evenings in October, they can do that. And that's in I'm Fairborn, not, Ohio. That's in Fairborn, Ohio, which is also known as Halloween Land or Foyborn. Oh my and gosh. Has, People don't realize Fairborn. what it's like. You, if one place in Dayton, Ohio, if nobody's been there, you have to go to Foy's on Halloween in Fairborn, Ohio. It's a whole town of Halloween stores, yes. adult costume contests, kid, or adult costume stores, kids' costume stores, alien, animatronics, pumpkin head, monsters from the movies, a, a, a giant ghostly pirate ship, a huge Halloween parade. Um, in, you know, now, of course, last year with COVID, there was none of that. Right. This year... I, I had to have an operation, so I haven't been able to go this year yet. But my good friend Raven is over there on Friday and Saturday nights selling Dr. Creep DVDs and shirts and stuff and Dal Thomas stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm planning on, on trying to drop by maybe next weekend if I'm feeling up to it. Sure. Um, they can also go to the Dr. Creep photo album on Facebook mm-hmm. or any of the any of the different Dr. Creep. No, not Dr. Creep the musician. The Dr. Creep, the horror host. Because yes. um, I still get messages from people. I administer a lot of the Dr. Creep Facebook pages, and I still get messages from people saying, hey, what did it mean in the lyrics of your song, blah, blah, blah? Oh, like, sorry, man. <laughs> Wrong Dr. Creep. <laughs> you know? And to, now, doctor, if, <laughs> if anyone wants to get a hold of Rick and you can't, Find him on Facebook. It's Rick Martin, but you can also contact me, DD Moonflyer, and I'll make sure to get you Rick's information so you can get a t shirt, a, a video, whatever you want, a DVD. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. So, yeah, they can, they can reach out. That, that would be wonderful if you could provide that too. Of course. I'm sorry. I'm going a little bit hoarse. It's the emotions of thinking about all these years I spent either as a kid growing up with Shock Theater or as Barry Hobart's business partner. And Friend. Putting in Ultraman and, and, and Shock Theater and Cannibal Therox and all these crazy movies on, yeah. on video over the years. Just, you lost a good friend. Good friends are never forgotten. Well, Rick, it was amazing talking to you and hopefully I'll see you very soon. Sounds good, Didi. I look forward to it. And if we don't talk before then, have a very, very happy and merry Halloween. You too. Take care of it. Right?